How are you guys doing today? You feeling good? Good. Welcome to our Cell Launch Sunday. Today is the day where we're launching our cell groups. We're going to talk about the biblical. Why do we do cell group? Why do we do small group? And we're going to draw from the Bible to, to understand, okay, why, why, did, why did your church do this? Because it's kind of a weird thing if you, if you think about it. For, for those that are non-believers and those that live their day-to-day they actually do small groups, they just don't do it intentionally like the church does. And so, but I want to bring out that aspect of why do we do small groups together? And so, uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to actually sign up at the end of the service again and, and talk to me and talk to any of our cell leaders. Uh, but this is uh, our cell on Sunday. Uh, before I go into my message, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We just ask for your mercies to, to, to be with us, for they are new every morning. And Lord, we just pray that uh, as we come before you, may your spirit come and uh, just speak to us, reveal in our hearts things that you want us to grow in, areas that you want us to, to uh, really develop and how we can walk alongside you. Father God, we just pray that uh, as, as we come and worship you, Lord, that we pour our blessing onto your lives as you pour uh, your blessing unto us. So, Lord, we thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua 1. We're going to start there because, as we, as you all know, we are going through the book of Joshua, but actually this sermon I'm going to focus a little bit more on Acts 2, but we're going to start off in Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1, where it starts off with Joshua's commissioning. All right, so Joshua chapter 1, Starting verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot and I, as I promise. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land and I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. And so that's, that's the commissioning of, of Joshua. God commissions him. He's like, all right, now I want you to enter into the promised land. I want you to conquer the land. For those that, that know the Bible stories we have, the Israelites who are wandering in the desert for 40 years, led by Moses, because of certain things that Moses have done, Moses will never see the promised land. He'll never get to enter into the promised land. And Joshua is going to be the one that's fulfilling that. He's going to help the Israelites now enter and conquer into the, into the promised land. And so this commissioning that God commissions Joshua and says, be strong and very courageous. So those are the, 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 the words that I want you guys to remember that as we move forward, as, as we're called to be a church on the move, I want you guys to move forward with strength and with courage. This is the way that God wants us to move as his people. He wants us to be strong and courageous in the things that we do, in the places that we move, and as a church that we are. And so we start off with Joshua's commissioning, and if you notice how the commission starts, it starts with after the death of Moses. Moses' ministry was about the law, and Joshua's ministry is about living it out. There's a commissioning of the church not only to live according to the laws of the Bible, but also to live it out. And Joshua's calling and commission is one where all of us as Christians are called, to, called and commissioned to do, and that is to live out the promise that God has for us. 
It requires us to move. It requires us to be strong. It requires us to be courageous. And with that takes commitment to a cause that is greater than our own personal cause, but to our commitment to God through the church. This is our call. This is how we are supposed to move. Now Moses was the great lawgiver who represented the law. And that awesome legislation demonstrated the perfect holiness of God and the sinful condition of man who stands separate from God. Now, Joshua is to take and enter the promised land. What Joshua's call is, isn't changing the mission or the call of Moses. It's actually continuing and fulfilling and seeing Moses' call come into fruition. This is our call as a church. We're to continue that. We are to continue to uphold the laws, but continue to move and go into the places that God has called us to go into. If you think about what is your calling in life, what is your calling in, 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 in the place that you live, in the place that you are, what is your calling into it, and how is God's calling, how does that come together? If you're working in, in, in the tech industry or in the business industry, in the accounting, in, in the ministry, in the arts, in the creative, whatever life calling that you feel like God's called you into, how does that go alongside God's ministry that he's called you to as well? And so Joshua's call is the same call as ours. It is to move into the promised land. It's for us to move into places that we're, we're, we're called to. This is what we call kingdom culture. This is what we call a nation that represents the kingdom of God. We may not have the same borders. We may not have the same empire aspect of a nation, but we are a nation that has existed beyond any empires that have ruled, beyond any country lines that have been drawn. God's nation, God's kingdom has existed and superseded any other empire that has ever existed. This nation that we are a part of is the same as the nation that Joshua was leading into the promised land. Now as we look at Joshua leading these people into the promised land, as, as you remember Rich, Rich's sermons in the past couple of weeks, he talked about how this is a move of people of over 2 million people. We're talking a move of the greater Vancouver population moving into conquering a land. How do you organize all of these people? How do you organize all of these things? How do you move 2 million people? I mean, that's a pretty big task, right? But God made it very practical. He made it in a way where he designed everything. And as Rich said last week, where the, the Bible is very practical, it even tells us how these people moved, how the church functions, how, how things are supposed to, to work. The Bible is full of practical things of how we do things. It's not just a book of this is the laws, you live according to it, and it's, it's according to your own thoughts and, 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 and heart's desire. It's not that way. God's very specific in the way that he does things. How did, how did Joshua move two million people? They were all split up. Split up into what? Into tribes. As you know that as they're wandering in through the desert, they're moving. This two million people moving together at the same time is a lot of work. You're setting up tents. They're nomadic. They're, they're, they're laying down their livestock and their children and their family, getting my 
kid to and from McDonald's is a lot of work. Imagine moving two million people. But what they did was they were organized in tribes. If you know how they set up camp, everywhere they, they stopped, they would set up the temple in the middle and the tribes would be camped around them in specific areas. It's not a, it's not a oh, we want to camp here tonight or we want to camp there tonight. Oh, that, that, that spot has an ocean view. <laughs> it's not like that. There were very specific areas. Each tribe had a very specific and designated area that they were to, to set up camp around that temple. And then within these tribes are family units, and those family units are organized in a place that when we need to move, we move, and when we need to stay, we stay. It, it was very, very organized in the sense of it was a top-down thing where Joshua led the charge, but everybody executed it. It required every single person to actively participate in order for this nation to move into the promised land. Mm -hmm. So how does this translate? We see the same model applied to the early church. When they started meeting, they met from in the temple and they also met day to day. In Hebrews 10.25 it says, let us not neglect our church meeting as some people do, and some translation actually uses the words habit, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. This is a warning that is written to, to you to make sure you keep meeting. Both Sunday temple aspect, Sunday worship, and the day-to-day -day aspect is just as important. It's not that I come to church on Sunday, I'm good, I'm a good Christian. You know what, if you come every week, you're actually doing better than most Christians around, around the world right now. That you're committed every single week, you're actually doing better than the majority of Christians around the world. But that's not, that, that's not to say, hey, good job, pat yourself on the back. No, because the early church actually met in the temple and day by day, every single day. I'm not, I'm not saying just once a week. Our small group thing that we're asking you, it's just once a week but it's actually a day-by-day day aspect. They met in the temple courts day by day, every single day. Back then, it was a lot easier to do that because their cities were smaller. Back then, it was easier because they're, they're, they're places like, they don't live in mansions, in the mansions that we live in today, right? An average house that, that, uh, that one of the Jewish, a Jewish family lived in is about the size of one to two parking spots. That's actually average. Right? And so it was easier for them to actually meet. I mean, we're, we're talking about, oh, wait, I can't host because I only can fit four people. That's why they met at the temple courts. That's why they went to the temple courts to meet. But they met not only because they wanted to, 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 to get together, they met because of practical reasons as well. There's a lot of trading, there's a lot of helping, there's a lot of, of living together and sharing together and sharing life together. And it's like, you may be an olive farmer and I'm a wheat farmer and we trade goods and all of that kind of stuff. It's all good. And so that's what it meant by the day-to-day -day living. Oftentimes when we, when we talk about cell group, when we talk about what cell group is, we think of it as a Bible study leader that we go to their house and we study the Bible, right? Who, I mean, most of us think that, right? With cell group, we go into someone's home, we study the Bible. Yes, that is a component of cell group, but that is not all of cell group. Cell group is actually living life authentically together and sharing life together uh, as a church. That's what cell group is about. Cell group, the, the aspect of Bible study is one component of 
of cell group, but it's not the entire thing. That's not what we just do. Because if we were just to get together to study the Bible, there's actually better ways to study the Bible through your devotional times, through listening to podcasts, to attending classes, doing online classes in seminary. You're actually spending that time to study the Bible, learning the hermeneutics, learning the homiletics, learning the exegesis of how do I study the Bible and the history and the, the background of all the Bible. That's actually, to, to study the Bible, that's actually a better place for you to study the Bible. Small group is taking what you study and coming together as a group and talking through how do we actually live this out now. Cell group is actually living out authentically the application of the Bible. That's what cell group is. Cell group requires fellowship. It requires worship. It requires prayer. It requires an aspect where we get together uh, to break bread. If you look at if you turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 43, it, it talks about how the fellowship of believers came together. And I love this term fellowship because fellowship implies a relationship. Fellowship implies a journey. Fellowship implies an adventure, the fellowship of the rings. Lord of the rings, for those that don't get that reference. The fellowship of believers, right? No, nobody's following yeah, yeah. me. It's a fellowship of believers. It's, it's people coming together to live life together. What I would love to see in our cell groups to start to happen is, actually some of our groups are actually already doing this, is actually we should share life together. The day-to-day -day aspect of it, the, the aspect of growing together, the spiritual growth aspect, cell group is a place for us to grow spiritually. Acts 2, 42 to 43, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread into prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. If we look at small group, that is actually what we should be seeing. We should be seeing fellowship, breaking of bread, praying, filled with awe, wonders, miraculous signs, and all were done by the apostles. I would love for us to start seeing things in small group where it's not just about studying the Bible because that's one component. Yes, I want you to study the Bible. Don't get me wrong there. But I would love for you guys to start really caring in the place of praying for each other, praying prophetically for each other, speaking into each other's lives, praying for miracles to happen in for each other, praying for healing in your, in, in your cell groups. Why? Because that's what the Bible says. Acts 2 says that this is what the early church did. You know what's going to happen when you do this? You're going to get to know each other. You're really going to get to know each other. You're going to get to know each other because it's not just about studying the word. It's about getting to know each other's struggles and prayer life and, and things that are happening in our family, things that, that we need prayer for, financial aspects, areas of need, areas of care. That's what happens when you start meeting this way, and this is why the church thrives. This is where the life and the heartbeat of the church is. When you're walking together, it's better than walking alone. We live in a society today where it is very easy to isolate ourselves. We have social media platforms. We have gigantic, beautiful houses or condos where we could trap ourselves in and not ever have to see anybody. Uh, we literally can live a very isolated life. Goods and services are just a call away. Skip the dishes is an amazing thing. 
they even do grocery shopping now online and they get shipped to you. It's beautiful. I love it. As great as technology is, it's isolating ourselves. We start isolating ourselves in a place where we're not living together as Christians anymore. We're not living together as believers. We're not encouraging each other in our walk and in how we actually are to live according to how God created us to live. Cell group is a place where you're able to have the balance of Bible study, of ministry, of worship, of prayer, of outreach, of fellowship, and socialization. It's sharing life. It's living life. It's about the application of the Bible in our daily lives. Small group is a place for you to exercise your spiritual muscles. Small group and cell group requires us to prepare to go to. We don't actually just show up. I know a lot of us do that. We just show up. But for this to be a healthy group, you actually need to prepare for every single one, not just the leader, not just the facilitator, but every single one of us need to actively participate and prepare our hearts to enter into a place of giving and receiving. Both giving ministry to each other by praying for each other and caring for each other and by receiving if we need care and we need prayer. It requires an intentionality that we don't actually see in our small groups these days. And I want you guys and I want to encourage you guys to actually start doing it this way. It's active. It's an active commitment to a group. Small group is also about relationships. We talk about relationships a lot because Christianity is about relationship. Christianity, is, it first starts off with the relationship between you and God, and then it's a relationship of the believers and the fellowship of the fellowship, the fellowship of all, all of us. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, 44 to 47 says, All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods and gave to anyone he, he had needed. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere heart, praising God and, everything, and enjoying the favor of all people. It's about relationships. Imagine a marriage, but only seeing that person once a week. Imagine a marriage where you only see each other on Sunday for two to three hours. It doesn't work. For us to, to think that we come to church on Sundays and that's good enough and we have that relationship on the Sunday aspect and think that that's enough is naive. For us to think that just by coming to church on Sundays and not having that day-to-day -day aspect, that the relationship will be there is is preposterous. Nobody enters into a marriage that way. Nobody enters into relationships that way. Why do we enter into relationships with our church that way? That we only see each other on Sundays and we don't see each other any other day. That we need this fellowship of believers. Why? To encourage each other, to strengthen each other, and to give, give courage. Encourage means to give courage to each other, to continue walking out what God has called us to walk out. You know that if we start isolating ourselves and only seeing our, our, our friends from church, our Christian friends on Sunday morning, that eventually 
you will, you're going to, your morals, your, your consciousness, your spirituality, things are going to deteriorate. Things are not going to go well. You're going to start giving allowances to things that shouldn't have allowances given. You're going to start living in a way and agreeing with things that society says and not what the word says. You know that it is more dangerous today to live in our society and in our culture and be strong in what the word says and, and execute what the word says than to, to agree with what society says about how we are to live and what is right and what is wrong. It is so easy for us to be led astray. It's so easy for us to start taking societal, societal morals and say that that is right and that is true. Instead of what the Bible says is right and what the Bible says is true. It actually takes you more courage and more strength to stand up for what the word says is true. But you can't do that alone. You need to have the relationships with each other to do that. You need to come together and say, this is what the word says. This is what the, the world says. How do we actually communicate God's values versus the world's values? How do we bring people into that? How do we bring people into a relationship with God, the same relationship that I have with God? If we value our relationship with God, we should value that others have that same relationship with him. Relationships is about accountability. It's about how do we check on, on each other. It's just the, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? How can I encourage you? How can I help? That's what cell groups are for. That's what our small groups are for. That's what the church is for. With today's technology, like I said, I know it's, it's harder for us to actually get together on a daily basis, but... However, technology also can play into our advantage. Technology can play into our advantage by checking in on each other on a daily basis. Yes, we can't meet each other at the, temp at the temple courts, but you could send a text. Right? Or a phone call. Or a phone call. <laughs> yes, Sal. <laughs> a phone call. Please, somebody call Sal <laughs> and Al. They would love phone calls to... See how they're doing. If you can't do a phone call, do FaceTime, whatever it is, technology is there, use it to your advantage. Just say, hey, how are you? How can I pray for you? Follow up on things that are happening in our lives. How was that interview that went? How was that incident with your coworker? How could I continue to pray, pray with you and pray for you through that? It's that daily touch, okay, guys? It's that daily touch of checking in on each other. That's what small groups are. It's a place where you are safe enough that you feel like, oh, I'm sharing my life with this person, with these people, a bunch of other people. Some of us have smaller groups. Others have larger groups. And I want to check in. I want to check in so that they know how I'm doing and I know how others are doing. That's what the purpose of small groups are. And last, 
they and they added to their numbers daily. This is about this is this is about our outreach. Part of the cell group strategy and the small group strategy is really about growing the church. God uses it to grow the church. It's not a five-stone strategy. This is an all-church strategy. This isn't something that Five Stones does because we're hip and we're cool. We're actually not that hip and not that cool. <laughs> but the strategy actually comes because the Bible tells us to do it this way. It says that they added to their numbers daily. I want to reread this part. It says, all the believers got together, everything common, selling their possessions and goods, and gave to anyone that had needed. We always talk about coming up with innovative ways to, be, uh, to do outreach, but the most innovative way to do outreach is right there. Is that they came together and they cared for their community. They came together, they, they, they looked at their community and said, what are needs in our community? Who has needs in our community? And if they need finances to cover it, how do we cover it for them? that they would actually sell their possessions in order to get the finances to help other people. If every single church started doing this, what do you think this will do for the kingdom? If every single person started looking at, at people in need that don't know Jesus, that don't know God, that don't go to church, and they, they, they gather their resources and says, you know what, I don't need this, but you do. And so therefore, I'm going to give this to you. Why? Because God loves me, God bless me, and so therefore, I want to bless you so that you can receive God's blessing and God's love. Mind blown. I guarantee you that person that receives that, their minds are going to be blown. They're going to be, what, what kind of generosity is this? It's the generosity of our Father. That's how God gives us things. God gives us things. He, 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 paid, he, he gave up his best possession, his son, so that we're able to sit here today. That's the gospel. For us to not buy another pair of shoes, so that we could help a family with, with their groceries. That's the type of love the Father had for us. I'm a huge sneakerhead, so I love shoes, and that's why it's my, my, uh, my analogy. If I just didn't go buy another pair of sneakers, I could help a family with their groceries. And then it says, and their numbers were added daily. Here's the thing, God, God adds the numbers. We don't. The Holy Spirit adds the numbers. We are just messengers of it. We're just to continue to be Christ-like to people, and God will add his numbers. But it requires you to do something. It requires you to have the generosity that the Father has, the love that the Father has. That's what it requires. 
I'm going to finish off here with just a story. The story of a cell group here at Five Stones. I already asked permission, and so he, he said yes, I could tell his story. Um, part of our early days as a, as a church, we were, we're still s- sorting things out, and there's a group that we lovingly call the MAPS in this group, in, in this church. Uh, they wanted to be special, so they, they called themselves the mature aging parents or awesome parents or whatever you guys want to call yourselves. It's because us as young adults had a term and they wanted their own term. <laughs> so they started a group called the MAPS group. And this was a group where it was generally now they're all empty nesters. Most of them are empty ne- nesters. There might be a couple stragglers here and there. But most of them are empty, <laughs> empty nesters. And they, they but this, this group started and they grew. They grew into this incredible size. They had great relationships beautiful relationships, relationships where they started traveling together, where they lived life together. And they grew and they grew and they grew, and this group became a group of 30 people, big, strong, awesome, basically a mini church. And it was pretty much like 50% of the church at that time. And so we came in and said, you guys need to split. And I was met with so much hesitancy I don't want to split. We split them. We, our relationships are not there. Our relationships, uh, we, we have such a great thing going right now. We have such a beautiful thing going on right now. We don't want to split. But the thing is, I was like, if you want to really dig in to intentional community, intentional relationship, to really care for each other, to really get into the nitty-gritty, we have to split. Because of the group your size, you're getting too big. People are starting to, to get missed. People are starting to fall off. People are, are not getting cared for in the way that they need to be cared for. So I need you guys to split. And after a lot of resistance, a lot of talking, finally say, okay, well, we'll split. You know what I saw when they split? Growth. I saw people step up into leadership that weren't in leadership. I saw relationships continue to grow. People that were outside of that group get brought into that group. I saw this group just thrive and and continue to grow and continue to, to be that ministry. And that split was good for them. I mean, they still get together. It doesn't mean that the split means that they, they no longer are friends with the other group. They actually still get together quite a bit, and there's a lot of relationships that are cross groups. And a lot of aspects where they actually come together for big celebrations like Christmas. Everybody comes back together. And they actually, some of you have been invited into these MAPS Christmas dinners where they, get, they, they start reaching out to other people as well. That's a beautiful thing. But what I love about, well, what I love about this group, it's actually led by Jim Tan. For the, I, I, I don't know if I said that. What I love about this group is that Jim is a great leader. Why? Not because he's extremely spiritual. Jim is a great <laughs> leader. <laughs> Jim is spiritual, don't get me wrong. <laughs> what I love about this group is that Jim is a great organizer. He's an incredible organizer. 
He's so organized, he set up every single one of them into a WhatsApp conversation, and everybody knows what everybody is doing. He's so organized that their group, if you look at this sheet, it says Coquitlam. Why? Because they meet in different homes. They have the same night, but they meet in different homes. And they, they rotate through the homes. And not only that, they each take turn facilitating. So it's, n it's, it's not that Jim facilitates everything. He's not the one that leads everything. He's not the one that, that does everything in the group. He just organizes the group, and the group continues to thrive. That's what I love about this group. And in that, we ha now have the Chisholm Lee, Lee cell group, which also is thriving and growing. And they, they, that group only came out because they were willing to split, willing to be intentional, willing to get together. What I love about this is I, I get added into this, this WhatsApp group, and I get to see all the fun that they're having. <laughs> Some of them are retired, so they actually have a lot of spare time on their hands. And they get to go kayaking and biking and hiking and vacations and and they post all their vacation pictures into this WhatsApp group and makes me jealous uh, because I'm working and doing the daily grind as they are vacationing. But that's what it's about. That's what doing group is about. It's about sharing life together. It's not just about coming together and doing a Bible study together. It's about living life together. It's about growing in our relationship, growing in our friendship. And then at the same time, it's about reaching out. Now, I know we live in a society today where it's hard to get together. We have families, young families who have weird schedules. We have people that have work restrictions where their schedule's all over the place, where we work day shifts and night shifts and and. Four days on, four days off. I don't know even how that works. Uh, my weekends are on Thursday and Friday. Like we have, uh, we have, we work in crazy schedules these days. I understand that, and I know that because of those things, it's hard for us to commit to a group because we never have the same day off. So I want to make it super simple for you guys. Yes, we're going to continue with our cell group model. Yes, we're going to continue doing cell group and doing life together in this model. But I want to propose something that's a little new, where those that are doing shift work can, can, can benefit from being a part of the church body, being part of the cells. How? I'm going to call them atom groups because it takes atoms to make cells, right? Pretty, pretty good, huh? Yeah. <laughs> biology major. No, I'm not. Actually, have, I have no idea what biology stuff Like when Rich talks about <coughs> biology and science stuff, it just... Atom groups, where it's just about getting together with one other person or two other people. And it doesn't matter what day you meet. It's about just intentionally getting together, intentionally sharing life together, intentionally living together, intentionally walking together in this thing that we call church. And so today I'm going to give you an opportunity again to, to sign up for cell group, to be a part of cells, to commit to a group, to be part of a group, but if you're in that place where you're just like, I can't because of my schedule, because of my life, I'm, things are just hard. I know for a lot of young families, it's just like, by the time we get our kid into bed, it's just like, we, we have no energy for anything else. 
So maybe the husband and wife need to split and say, hey, we're going to form a, a wives group and a husband's group. Whatever it is, I just want you guys to be able to get together to share life and be intentional about it. That's it. Why? Because meeting day to day is just as important as meeting on Sunday. Meeting on Sunday is just as important as meeting day by day. I don't want you guys to feel like I have one or the other and I'm good. It's actually both. You need both. Both are, is part of your discipleship and part of your growth. And so I'm going to pass out these things, the same sheets. But in the middle column, I've added, I want to be a part of an Adam group. This is an opportunity for you guys to say, hey, I want to just be, I'm just going to get together with one or two other people and we're going to start this group. You know what I want to see? Is I want to see one of these Adams groups grow to be bigger than the cell groups. Two or three people coming together, seeing what's around, seeing the needs, reaching out to people, sharing life together, encouraging each other, and growing and bringing friends in and say, hey, actually me and my buddy get together every now and then. You want to join and and see what we do, how we pray for each other, how we could pray for you. That would be such an incredible thing. And we will see God adding numbers. We will see God adding people into our, in, in, into our groups. And it's going to be an amazing, incredible thing, and I want you guys to be a part of that, and that's how God moves and grows into his church. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. This is our church. This is our church on the move, and, and this is our church on the move both corporately and personally. We choose how we grow And this can be an active growth or a passive growth. And I want you to be encouraged today to live this life together. I want you to be encouraged today to, to join into something that we call the movement of the church. So today, that is my challenge to you. Are you plugged in to a small group? Are you plugged into a cell group? If not, and I know you have hurdles, come talk to me. I want to help you get over your hurdle. If, if, if you have a creative way of doing something differently, come talk to me because I'm fresh out of ideas and I could use some new ideas. But I want to encourage you guys to say, hey, I want to do this because this is the way that God intended the church to move. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, that you are a good God and you are a God of grace and mercy. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that as we come before you, Lord, may you bring courage into our hearts and into our spirit. Bring courage into our, into our lives to actually continue to walk with you. Continue to, to live out your kingdom and reveal your love to the rest of this world. So Father God, I just pray, Lord, that through this week, Lord, that you speak to us individually, but you also speak to us corporately. And Lord, that we are encouraged to step into a new season of moving together as a church. So Lord, I thank you and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.